They have it this low for Cliff. <laughs> oh, hey, Cliff. I didn't see you back there. Picking on Cliff is fun. But I'm only an inch taller than him. And I get in Chris's truck and I need running boards because I can hardly get up in his truck. Good to see you guys. I've had a lot of fun today. I've been casting out demons all day. That's a joke. Do you guys know how to cast out a deaf and dumb spirit? You're going to have to work with me tonight. We're going to have some fun tonight, all right? Switch with you real fast. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I, um, I'm a very ordinary person, and people think I'm strange because I do prophetic ministry. And maybe I'm a little strange. I don't know. But uh, I never grew up in church in any way, shape, or form. First time I was in church, I was 16 going on 17 in high school. First time in church, got saved. Never heard John 3.16. Didn't know the gospel. Didn't know anything. And uh, the reason I went to church for the first time is because when I was eight years old, I was at a family reunion in KC, Illinois, population 686. And all we knew about was corn and soybeans and farming and that kind of stuff. And in the middle of the family reunion, my Uncle John gets up. He's a really godly man. He's the only Christian in the whole family. He calls me up in front of everybody, like 150 family members, and I'm thinking I'm in serious trouble. And I know I deserved it because I just tied my brother to a tree in the woods. So I'm thinking I'm in trouble. <laughs> and he stands me on a picnic table. And I didn't know it at the time, but he prophesied over my life. I didn't know what it was. He said, um, when I came to be a teenager, I'd come to know the Lord. He said, I would become a pastor, and I would go to over 30 nations. That was the craziest thing I had ever heard in my whole life. So my mom wrote it all down, and when I was thinking about going to college, school, what courses would I take, she said, I think you should read this. And she pulled it out of a giant family body Bible that nobody had ever opened before. And she read it to me, and I thought, well, maybe I should go to church once. I'm really bright like that. So I went to church first time, uh, came to know the Lord because of that prophetic word. And so my life has become an incredibly, an incredible prophetic life. When I was um, in my early 20s, I was on a John Deere tractor, Remember, nothing runs like a deer. And so I was out in the field at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'd just gotten out of Bible school, and I was trying to go to a graduate school, a mission school, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I don't want you to go to that school. I want you to go back to Florida where my parents were and marry Karen Thomas. There was only one problem. I had no idea who Karen Thomas was. This is before the internet. <laughs> there was no Facebook. Do you understand? Carrier pigeons. So I go back to Orlando, and I'm figuring I took off from Illinois and drove back to Orlando in my 1970 GTO with Ram Air. I got to Florida really fast. First weekend in town, my best friend says, hey, let's go over to this Methodist church. They're having a missions conference. 
I'm thinking, I don't really want to go to a Methodist church tonight. That doesn't sound like fun to me. So I went. And they had summer missionaries sharing testimonies. And our next missionary to share is Karen Thomas. My wife, who I've never met. Later on when we were talking, I realized I'd met her once at a youth retreat. She was one of the counselors. She's standing on the stage. And I'm thinking, I wonder if I should tell her I'm going to marry her. Or maybe wait. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I'm saying? It's the strangest situation I've ever been in in my entire life. And I knew that she would love me. What's not to love? I mean, what are you laughing about over here? So anyway, my life has been like that. It's been a prophetic life all of my days. It's just something that God, it's just something that God did. And so almost every aspect of my life has been like that. Dreams and visions and some nightmares when I met Chris. But all kinds of interesting things that have happened to me. And so I was a Baptist pastor, Southern Baptist, and I got kicked out of the Greater Orlando Baptist Association, disfellowshipped because I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what happened to me is I began to study the Scripture. There was a hunger for me. I felt like there was more that I wasn't getting from Bible school and seminary and all the stuff I went through. And so I wrote down every scripture I could find in the New Testament about the Holy Spirit. Every single scripture. I had hundreds and hundreds of scripture. And I became convinced out of the Bible that there was an incredible anointing of God that came through what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I didn't know how that happened or how it worked. So I was on a Wednesday night prayer meeting in our Baptist church. I'm in the back of the room. There's nobody back there but me. And everybody's praying. There's 150 people there or something like that. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you have a problem. I'm thinking, just one? He said, you want to be in control. Do we have any control freaks in here? There are a lot of liars in here. I can tell you that. And I was a control freak. And uh, the Lord literally quoted to me Romans 12, 1 and 2. He said, present yourself as a living sacrifice. I said, Lord, I don't know how to do that, but I'd make that choice. Nobody laid hands on me. Nobody prayed for me. It felt like somebody took a baseball bat and hit me between the eyes, and I got knocked to the ground. My head bounced off the cement, and it felt like somebody plugged 220 volts of electricity into me. I'm laying on the ground in my Baptist church, vibrating. Not a good thing to do in a Baptist church. And I couldn't move. Couldn't move. And I was down there about an hour and a half. <laughs> and my wife comes walking by, by and I'm like, Karen, Karen, help, help. And she kneels down and says, give him more, Lord. <clears throat> I found out my wife was a tongue talker in her prayer closet. Never told me that. Such deception. And so when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit... Everything about me changed. I began to read scriptures about spiritual gifts and the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God is supposed to work and how it's supposed to be supernatural. And everything in me wanted to see the supernatural happen. And so, if you have your handout, you'll see we've got some scriptures here. 1 Corinthians 14.1, Pursue love, yet... 
earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you might prophesy. So earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So what I did is I made a list of all the spiritual gifts. And I began to ask the Lord to activate those gifts in my life. And so they're called the nine manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so I began to pray for those different gifts to activate it in my life. And I would, and, and I viewed them as tools. I grew up working on cars and racing cars. And so I viewed the gifts as tools. And for counseling and ministry and deliverance and everything I get involved in, I need all the tools I can get. So when I was seven or eight years old, my dad had this big shop all his boys worked in, three brothers. He paid me $25 a week, but 20 went to tools. <laughs> my whole life. I ended up, some of you guys will understand this, with a master set of Snap-on tools. And so tools were a big deal to me. I mean, you got to have the right tool for the job or you can't do the job. And so the gifts of the Spirit became my tools, and that's how I thought about them. And so I began to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And so I began to pray for words of knowledge. I thought that would be a cool one. So I'm sitting in a restaurant, eating barbecue, and I look across the restaurant, there's a lady sitting over there. And the Lord says she has a dollar and 47 cents in her purse. Her husband has been violent. He's been beating her. She has two children. She left him and doesn't know where she's going to go. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> what do you want me to do about it? The Lord said, go talk to her. Scared to death. I mean, knees trembling, scared, spitless. I got up and I went over there and I said, I know you don't know me, but I'm a local pastor and I feel like God has a message for you. Can I share it with you? And she had tears in her eyes. She said, I've been sitting here praying, asking God to speak to me. So I sit down. I said, the Lord said you had a dollar and 47 cents in your purse. She dumps out her purse, counts the change. It's a dollar and 47 cents exactly. And I asked her if her husband had been mistreating her and she begins to weep and it was true. And so she got saved that day. And me and a couple of guys went and visited her husband. I had two guys that used to be bouncers when they got saved. And when we show up at a guy's house and say, you're never going to hit your wife again, or we're going to take you for a walk, we took him for a walk. He never hit her again. He got saved. He went to anger management. His kids came into the kingdom. To this day, he's serving as a deacon in our local church. And that was 40 years ago. And none of that would have happened without a gift of the Holy Spirit. And so I like to use the gifts outside of the church more than inside of the church. So I'm on an airplane. I'm coming back from overseas. I'm flying through Dallas. And this beautiful woman comes and sits next to me. Happens a lot. Don't laugh so hard. <laughs> and, and as she's coming down the aisle, the Lord said, to, he, he, when he speaks, he can speak so much to me and he can do it in a second. He said she tried out for the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. She didn't make it. She's suicidal. So she sits down. And I said, I feel like God has something he wants me to share with you. Can I talk to you? And I'm sure every guy she ever meets hits, hit, meets hits on her. And, and so she said, she looks at me like, what would God ever say to me? I said, well, here's what he said. And it was all true. And so now I have her attention. And she just tried out. That had been her lifelong goal. She didn't succeed. 
and she's in total depression. She was going to go home, and she was planning on committing suicide that day. But because of the word of knowledge, God giving me information, I had no earthly way of knowing. She got saved. She got delivered from that death on the airplane. And everybody sitting around us kind of got up and moved. <laughs> but God wants to reach people because people matter to God. And so using the gifts in evangelism is one of the funnest things that I know of. It is amazing. I was coming here, and I'm flying through Charlotte, and I'm, I'm flying out of the airport, and I go up to this counter, and this really great black lady, I mean, she was just so neat. I just liked her. She had a good spirit about her. But she's limping around on her leg, and she, I could tell she's in a lot of pain. I said, are you all right? And she said, my sciatic nerve, my leg's messed up. Every time I take a step, I, it hurts. And I just said, well, let me pray for you. I just grabbed her by the shoulders over the counter and began praying for her. And the Spirit of God came on her, and all the pain left. The first evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a person's life is boldness. Jerry Cochran says it's tongues, and I know why he says that. <laughs> but there's a boldness that comes that was it went totally against everything within me, because I used to be very, very shy, very, very quiet. But a boldness came on me. And so I began to aspire for the gift, spiritual gifts. So you can read about them here in your handout. It says, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, But to each one is given the manifestation. What, is it, what does the word manifestation mean? It's not, it's not a mystery. What's it mean? To show forth something, right? Okay. So in other words, it can't be kept quiet. It has to manifest. It has to be seen. But to each one is given the manifestation spirit for the common good. One is given a word of wisdom. I tell you, if you've ever been involved in counseling and caring for people, the word of wisdom, God just giving you wisdom about how to help somebody on the spot is amazing. Through the spirit, to one another word of knowledge, according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another effecting of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. So I began praying. I made a copy of this list, and I began praying for all these different gifts to work in my life. And I have been on for 40 years. I have been on an incredible adventure. I have had more fun in the kingdom of God than you could ever imagine. I was having dreams and visions about Israel, and I, I hadn't been to Israel that much at the time. And so I go to Israel, and I was having dreams about the Spirit of God being poured out on Israel and really moving in the country of Israel. And I go to this church. I'm doing a Saturday night service, and I could feel the presence of God begin to come into the room. And we pray for people until midnight, and there was this one really, really old man. And he comes forward for prayer, and he puts his hands out like this, and on each wrist was a tattoo from Auschwitz, the death camp. And all of his family, his wife and children, had been killed in the 40s in a Nazi death camp. And so I didn't know it at the time, but the Lord told me he had congestive heart failure. And so I laid hands on him, and he began to weep, and he said, my heart is on fire, and God healed his heart. And so later on at midnight, I find out his story. That morning he'd gone to the synagogue, and he said... If God is alive, he's not in the synagogue. 
And he'd never been to anything but a traditional synagogue in his life. And he went to the quote-unquote Christian church that night where we were. He said, God, if you're not here, then you don't exist, and I'm going to kill myself tonight. And God heals his heart. And he got saved. People matter to God. The purpose of the gifts isn't to make you hyper-spiritual, make you look special, anything like that. It's so that you can use them to help other people. I could tell you stories all night about people that have gotten saved and lives have been changed simply because I opened my mouth and spoke whatever God gave me. Now, I have this incredible gift. Most men have this gift. The biggest room in a man's mind is the nothing room. Comes home from work. Wife says, what are you thinking about? Nothing. What'd you do today? Nothing. Now she thinks he's crazy because she can't shut her mind off. But I have this incredible ability to go into my nothing room. And when I'm praying for people, I'm not sitting there thinking. I'm not sitting there evaluating or trying to figure things out. All I simply say is, Lord, if you'll give me spiritual thoughts, I'll speak spiritual words to edify and help people. That's all I do. 1 Corinthians 2 says, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, all the things that God has prepared for us. And then he goes on, talks about in that chapter that you can have the very mind of Christ. You can know the thoughts of God. He wants to share them with you. And the way that he does that is to give you spiritual thoughts, which you speak in spiritual words. And it really is that simple. And so when I'm praying for people, I just go into the nothing room. And I'm amazed at the things that the Holy Spirit does. Because people matter to God. And so all of these gifts. So I'm in San Antonio, Texas. There's a church of 400 or so. And I'm in there and I'm on the front row. And the Lord said, I'm going to give you another word of knowledge today. I'm like, great, what is it? He said, I will tell you when you stand up, you're not allowed to speak a word until you get the word of knowledge. I get introduced, I stand up, and I just stand there. Five minutes go by. Ten minutes go by. Everybody in the church is getting nervous. The pastor's staring at me like this will be the last time you're ever invited here, buddy. Right? And then all of a sudden, in a brief moment, the Holy Spirit said, there's a couple in the back row. He's got on a blue blazer. He works in construction, and a piece fell off some scaffolding, hit his shoulder, knocked his shoulder out of place. He can't move his arm. He can't work. He can't afford a doctor. His wife is with him, and she's barren, and they're both lost. So I said, is there somebody here on the back row that hurt your shoulder at work this week? Something fell off scaffolding. Guy stands up. He's in a blue blazer. Takes off his jacket. His shoulder's in a some kind of harness thing. So they came forward, and I whispered to her, I said, have you been wanting to have a baby? She said, I'm barren. They said, I'll never have children. And the Lord told me she'd have two children, and she, he, the Lord gave me the name of the children. So we laid hands on them. God healed his shoulder on the spot. I mean, he got healed. And so they got saved that day. They're still a part of that church. Two years later, I went back, and she introduced me to the boy and girl. Supernatural things. We were made to operate 
in the realm of the supernatural. God made us that way. It's supposed to be normal. What you read in the book of Acts after they all got baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's supposed to be normal. We're supposed to live like that. You go, well, that's just for you special people. I am not special. I'm the fifth child of a farmer. Grew up as poor as I could be. Nobody in my family, very few of them have ever been out of the county. But everything God spoke about my life is true. I pastored for over 30 years. I've been to 35 nations. And I can tell you with complete confidence, I've operated in every gift of the Holy Spirit, not because I'm special, but because I asked. Okay? So, when do you think the disciples got saved? When the disciples get saved? How do you get saved? What's John 3 say? That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit. So the only way you can get saved is by the Holy Spirit. So when did the Holy Spirit come? After Jesus got resurrected. So in John 20, the Scripture says that Jesus was with the disciples and he breathed on them and the disciples received the Holy Spirit. They got saved, born again, born of the Spirit. And then shortly thereafter, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus himself was born of the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit came on Mary. He was literally born of the Spirit. And yet the Holy Spirit came and descended as a dove. And so as I read the scripture, I became convinced that the power of God was real. And so you cannot operate in spiritual gifts without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You just can't do it. And so when, when the Spirit of God is moving, I always get in line to get prayed for. I want as much of the Holy Spirit as I can get. Jesus said, how much more will I give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So I ask all the time. Because I know I can't operate in any gift without the Holy Spirit. So I'm constantly being refilled with the Holy Spirit and experience fresh moves of the Holy Spirit in my life. Most of the time it goes on privately in my own prayer times and worship times where the Spirit of God just rests upon me. But every one of you can operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You just got to ask. And then you got to have the courage to step out. You got to have the courage. So in my area in Orlando, I worked with 17 black pastors. They were my best friends. They were from all over Jamaica and the islands and the Caribbean and all of that stuff. And so we had a, we have a, a, a conference in Orlando and all the black pastors, their congregations came and there was a man there in a wheelchair. Now, you know what? I have dreams. My wife says I have, my wife says I had the most grandiose dreams you've ever heard. But I dream about people coming out of wheelchairs and stuff. That's my dreams. I dream about nations getting saved. I mean, that's how, that's what I think about. And so the guy in the wheelchair, I'm preaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and all these guys are starting to get filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Lord says, I'm going to heal the man in the wheelchair. I said, well, well, well what, how does that... I was so scared. I get... Okay. And so the Lord said, pray for his toes. I'm like, what? So I'm just down there praying for the guy's toes. What are you going to do? 
You know, I feel like I really nailed it. Oh, oh, thank you. Somebody, somebody help me. So, concern for his soul. I didn't want the guy to be a heel. Say stop. Somebody say stop. I don't want him to tie one on. You know what I'm saying? So, he could be end up, he could end up being a loafer. I mean, okay, I, it's a sickness. It's a sickness, okay? So, after a little while, 15, 20 minutes, he moved his toes. Now, he'd been in a horrible auto accident, and he couldn't move anything from the waist down. And it had been 12 years. So I'm like, I'm excited. His toes are moving. So I move on and praying for other people. Then the Lord would say, go pray for his calves. I've never prayed for a calf. You ever prayed for a calf? Then pray for his knees. This went on for three hours. Somewhere in the middle of all this stuff, this guy stood up out of his wheelchair and he jumped. He didn't, he didn't stand up. He got thrown out of his wheelchair, came to his feet, totally healed, started sprinting around the auditorium, shouting glory to God. Now, it scared me as much as it did everybody else in the room. But that's supposed to be normal for us. If the Lord told you to pray for somebody's toes, would you pray for their toes? we got to have childlike faith and stop trying to figure everything out. It's supposed to be supernatural. You're not supposed to be able to figure it out. And there are no formulas for this stuff. It all comes from hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and just simply obeying and doing what he tells you to do. I have so much fun with the gifts of the Holy Spirit and seeing God move. I've seen the Spirit of God move in nations like you can't imagine. So we did a prophetic conference in Spain, and they advertised it. It was done in the middle of a Muslim neighborhood. And I'm thinking, really, Pastor, you want us to go to a Muslim neighborhood full of terrorists as Christians and do a prophetic conference? Does that sound smart to you guys? So we advertised it, and we showed up there that night, and about 150 people came. And all the women came, 40 or 50 women, they had all these black burkas and all of this crazy stuff. And I'm like, oh, my Lord, we are all going to die. This guy comes in the back door, and he looked. He's got the beard way down here. A lot of insecure men have to have long beards. (laughs) And he comes up. He's screaming and shouting at us with anger and rage like you can't imagine. I mean, hate. And one of the guys with me got a word of knowledge about his uncle molesting him when he was young, and he spoke it out, and that guy fell on his face and began to weep. And he wept and he wept. And you know what? Toward the end of all that, the guy got saved. He threw his arms up in the air, and he goes, Jehovah is God. And it was on. I mean, it was on. And so I'm not allowed to speak to a Muslim woman. So I start to circle them. I'm praying for them. And I'm asking God to remove the veils so that they could begin to spiritually see, remove the darkness. First Corinthians says that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelieving so they can't see. And so I'm really binding that darkness off of them. And these women began to rip off these veils, which you don't do in a Muslim culture. And I'm telling you, All the culture stuff went away. I'm laying hands on them. They're getting saved. They're getting delivered. I mean all of them. 
Then I'm standing up on the stage, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, Lord, if they go back to their families, their families are going to kill them. I said, what do I do? And the Holy Spirit said, they need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They need the power of God. And and and, and in a moment, my head went back, and I just went, they all came up off the ground, flew into the wall, and they got baptized in the Holy Ghost. They all began to speak in tongues. And a revival broke out in a Muslim neighborhood. And it went on for four or five days. Every night we had a different group in there. And without the power of God, without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, nothing would have happened. Do you think Shalmet could use a move of God? You got plenty of oil here. How about some spiritual oil? We got to get it refined. Oh, this is good. We need to refine how to move in the gifts of the Spirit in our own individual lives. And you know what? If you're here tonight and you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, I understand that. You know, I went through all of that too. But I'm telling you, it's worth getting. But you can't get it if you're going to be in control. You have to let go. You got to let go. And so the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to manifest. They're supposed to be made known. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit evidence, evidence of the Holy Spirit, they're for every believer and they're good for the church. They can be stirred up, 2 Timothy 1 through 6. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. So one of the ways that the Holy Spirit moves in people's lives is through the laying on of hands. So somebody who is baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, they can lay hands on somebody else, and the Holy Spirit is literally transferred out of one person into another person, and they can begin to operate in the power of God. So if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to impart the Holy Spirit. Have you done that? They're not to be neglected. 1 Timothy 4.14, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you which was granted to you through the words of prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of the elders. So don't neglect. Do not neglect the Holy Spirit. Everywhere I go, I'm confident of one thing. The Spirit of God is in me. That's the only thing special about me. Is the Spirit of God in me. If you want to have an extraordinary life, come to know the Holy Spirit and His power and all of His gifts and watch what God does. It is amazing stuff. So I, I was um, in my church in Orlando and there's a lady in the audience I didn't know and I walked up to meet her after church and the Lord gave me this incredible word about her and her husband, a whole bunch of stuff. Well, I didn't know it, but they were missionaries in Bali, Indonesia. And I'd had seven different prophetic words over about 20 years about going to Indonesia. I have no desire to go to Indonesia. It's 15,000 islands full of Muslims. Who wants to go there? And so, you know, I got that word over 15 years, and I just put it on a shelf, said, you know, Lord, I don't know a soul there. If that's going to happen, you're going to have to make a way, and I just let it go. I get an email from Indonesia, the lady that was visiting. She and her husband lead a mission space down there, and they have 150 young people, and will I come and minister? Great. The day before I get there, the local pastor 
got beat up by the Muslims and put in ICU, and they burnt the church down. Like, I just can't wait to go there. So I get there, and they hide me in a compound for eight days. I'm not allowed out of the compound lest I die. And they brought in all these young people, and the Spirit of God began to move in their midst. I mean, we had a night where the Spirit of God just kept moving. And there was one little Indonesian girl. She was about this tall. I love going over there. I'm I'm a giant. And so the Lord kept telling me to tell her she needed to go back to her island. And she's weeping, Pastor Joe, I can't go to my island. No, go to my island, Pastor Joe. No, go. When she was a little girl, her parents died. The head man of the island, there were 11 children. He made them his slaves. Abused those girls. Did horrible man. And her and her brother made a dugout canoe and put out into the ocean. They had to escape. They ended up on a beach right in front of a missionary's hut. They got adopted in the kingdom of God. They got saved. And so she went back to her island because God said she's supposed to go back there. And she did not want to see that man. And so she's ministering up in the mountains. And I keep getting texts. Pastor Joe got hut. Good. Pastor Joe got, got orphans. Very good. Pastor Joe, fishermen say they help me and give me food for the orphans. You can tell she's just weeping when she's sharing, trying to say this stuff. <laughs> Have not seen bad men. That's what she called him, the bad man. And so while she's up in the mountains ministering, the bad man died. And in the Muslim culture, you have 24 hours to bury them. And the Lord spoke to her. She just read about uh, Elijah raising that boy from the dead. And the Lord said, go raise the head man, the bad man up from the dead. She said, no, I hate him. So she waited until hour 23, and she goes back to the village And she did what Elijah did. She stretched herself out over this guy and prayed for him. And the guy came back screaming that he was on fire. He was in hell. And so the head man got saved, repented to her and her family, gave them a home, and she and the head man have traveled all over the island sharing the testimony. And hundreds and hundreds and thousands of Indonesian Muslims are getting saved Because a little girl this tall got baptized in the Holy Spirit and started operating in spiritual gifts. You know what? If a little girl can do it, I think we can do it. We need the gifts of God. Do you like the idea of seeing miracles? Would you like to see more happen? Well, what's it going to take? The prophetic gift is mentioned more times in 1 Corinthians, 10 times in 1 Corinthians 13 and 14. We're commanded to covet the prophetic gifts, 1 Corinthians 14 to 39. Whatever, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak in tongues. So covet not. Don't forbid speaking in tongues. I was taught in my Baptist school, Lutherite Seminary, thou shalt not speak in tongues. Tongues are the devil. I'm like, wait a minute. You say you believe the whole Bible. It says, do not forbid. How does that work? I had It cost me a lot. Because my entire Southern Baptist Convention tossed me out with my credentials, my ordination, everything I'd spent all those years getting. What a waste of time. 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a special gift, employ it 
and the serving of one another are good stewards of the, man, of the multifaceted grace of God. He says to employ your gifts. Most of the church is unemployed. I'm just telling you, most of the church, are, it's like going to a football game on Sunday. You sit in the bleachers, right? And you expect this incredible band up here to soar you into the heavens. You don't really prepare for you before you get here. You don't really expect you have to do anything. You're here to be entertained spiritually. It's time to get out of the stands. It's time to get involved. It's time to see the Spirit of God move. If Goer can take a 16-year-old farm kid out of southern Illinois and take him to 35 nations and see signs and wonders and miracles all over the world, not because he's special. I was just hungry. I like seeing supernatural things happen. I love seeing supernatural things happen. So I got thrown into the deep end right off the bat. One of my pastors did a conference, and he took me to the conference, and he said at the end of his he said, now Pastor Joe's going to stand up, and he's going to pray for the sick, and the sick are going to get healed. I'm like... So I'm standing up there trembling, scared to death, and the first lady that comes up, her whole mouth is full of boils. She can't talk. She hasn't been able to eat. The doctors didn't know what to do to help her. They tried a lot of things. She had lost 30 pounds. Her friends almost carried her up to the altar. And all I did was look at her and say, in Jesus' name, be healed. That's all I did. I'm telling you, in two seconds, every boil left. And she got healed. Is it because I was full of faith? No. God was demonstrating to me that people matter to him. So let me tell you some rules about prophecy since I've been doing it for so long. Number one, we judge the prophet before we judge the prophetic words. If we don't know the person and we don't know their integrity and if they're not under authority, then we want nothing to do with them. There are too many parking lot prophecies chasing people down, giving them words and all this crazy stuff who are not under authority. If pastor did not give me the authority to minister here, I simply wouldn't do it. No matter how strong I felt like I have a prophetic word. Number two, thou shalt not pop up in the middle of a service and say, thus saith the Lord. Do you know what happens when somebody says that? They're saying that what I'm about to say to you is directly from the throne of God and nobody is to judge it because I am speaking. I am the mouthpiece of God. You know what you do in a service? You get a prophetic word. You come to one of the authorities and you submit the word. You submit the word. And they may or may not allow you to share it. Number one, does the word agree with Scripture? Listen, if it's some far-fetched thing and it disagrees with Scripture, please sit down. Number two, does it witness to your spirit? You have the Holy Spirit if you're born again. Does it bear witness to your spirit that this is something that God's saying to you? Number three, do those in authority over you agree with it? Every prophetic word I've ever gotten, I really felt like we're from the Lord. I gave to my authorities and submitted to them and said, would you please test this word? Do you feel like it's from the Lord? 
Is the person prophesying have prior knowledge about the situation? I pastored in Orlando and for 30 years. I do prophetic ministry all over the world. I do not prophesy in Orlando. Why? Because I know them really well. It is so much easier to prophesy over people I don't know. So I'm going to be there in two weeks. Am I prophesying all the, over all the church in Orlando? They want me to, but I'm not. It is too easy to get my soul involved. Is it a confirmation of many different prophetic words confirm something the Lord has previously spoken to you? You know, I view it as a railroad track. You know how trains go clickety-click, clickety-click? The Lord has already gone down the line. He's already surveyed where the track is going. He knows where your life is going. And when you get prophetic words, it ought to confirm the direction that God has been taking your life. Trains do not make U-turns. All right? Do not allow yourself to feel pressurized to receive prophetic words. You have to receive this word. I've heard from the Lord. This is a word for you and your family. You stop. Do not chase people down in the parking lot to give them a word. Just don't do it. Judging prophetic words, if the prophets, if the prophetic word is accurate, embrace it and war over it. I've had prophetic words over my life that actually happened 25 years later. I have a file folder in my desk where I have prophetic things I feel like were tested and approved from the Lord that I've held on to. And once a month, I take them out and I read through them and pray through them. Like the word from Bali took 15 years. And so, you know what? When I get a word, I don't try to make it happen. Okay? I just sit back and wait for the Spirit of God to make it happen. All right? You can't force this stuff to happen. So tonight, what we want to do, how many of you have received prophetic ministry last night? Can I see your hands? Good. Guess who's not going to get prophetic ministry tonight? <laughs> that would be you. Okay. Number two, what we want to do is I'm going to ask some of the leadership and, and people who pray for you in this church who are baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, this is your night. All right? All you have to do is be available, release your control, and ask the Lord to fill you with His Spirit. That's all you've got to do. If you ask God for something good, He's not going to give you something evil. He's just not. All right? The other thing we're going to do is I'm going to go hide in a corner. I hide in my little corner over here. Okay? I'm going over there, and I'm going to have a couple of people helping me, and I'm not praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit over there. All I'm doing is prophetic ministry. Now, the others will get prophetic words for you. You certainly don't have to go in my line. Anthony is a tremendous prophet. Jerry Cochran thinks you're incredible. And, you know, Jerry's got issues, so you know that. And so, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is available. Prophetic ministry just up here at the altar is available. I'm going to be over there praying for people. All right? Um, the rules of the road are record it on your phone if you're able to. If you ha don't have that ability, write it down. Don't write down what you wanted to hear. Don't write down what you think you heard. Write down what was actually said. Does that make sense? If the word doesn't bear witness to your spirit and it doesn't make any sense to you at all, you know what? Just let it go. Okay, we are not perfect prophets. All right? 
I'm up to 46% accuracy. I'm kidding. (laughs) But I've prophesied over, I'm sure, we've prophesied over tens of thousands of people. Okay? So don't get hung up about it. Well, that word, it just really, it just, you know, if you're not sure, just put it on a shelf. No big deal. If it's really not a word for you, put it in a balloon and let it go. All right? What you may not do is throw stones at us. If you want to stone somebody, Matt is available. All right? Does that all make sense to you? Now, Pastor Chris, we just come up here. Would you guys just bow your heads, please? Just bow your heads for just a second.